Hello and welcome to the third installment of our ALSPathways.ca podcast series. In the last episode, we talked about some of the things that people with ALS and their caregivers should keep in mind when preparing for the various stages of their ALS journey. In this episode, we're going to flip things around and talk about being a caregiver. Keep in mind that even if you're a person with ALS rather than a caregiver, this information may still be relevant. You may find it useful to get some insight into what your caregiver may go through as they help you navigate ALS. If you don't listen to this podcast with your caregiver, please be sure to let them know about it. As always, please remember the information and advice presented in this podcast are general in nature and are not intended to replace or substitute speaking with your healthcare providers. Please consult your healthcare team with any questions or concerns regarding your medical condition. Now, if you're listening to this and you are a caregiver, let me say thank you. Being a caregiver to someone you love with ALS comes with a lot of responsibility and sacrifice. However, you may also find that it is rewarding. Spending time with one another is important, and caregiving offers the opportunity to express your love and appreciation. Your loved one could not navigate their ALS journey without you, but you're embarking on a journey of your own at the same time. That's what we are going to discuss in this podcast. We'll start out by defining your role in the ALS journey. We'll talk about some helpful tips for providing care for a loved one with ALS, and just as importantly, we're going to talk about how caregivers can take care of themselves. Being a caregiver for a person with ALS can be challenging, but there are a few things you can do to help meet your loved one's needs without shortchanging your own. We're going to cover as much information about ALS as we can, but I'll also point out to you some additional resources and tools that can help you continue learning as you both face ALS in different ways. And, of course, there's no substitute for communication with your loved one's team of healthcare providers. With that said, let's dive into the caregiver journey. One of the most important things I can tell you is that you're not alone. There are approximately 8 million people in Canada who are taking care of a chronically ill, disabled, or older relative or friend. So if you're ever feeling as though you need to talk with someone who understands what you're going through, there is opportunity to do so. Later in the podcast, we'll talk about support groups and other caregiver organizations you can turn to. So what does a caregiver do? Well, there's no one-size-fits-all answer. One caregiver may wear several hats, while another may have one specific role. Every person with ALS is different, and so every caregiver has a different job description. You may be a solo caregiver, or you might be part of a team. What's more important is that your loved one gets the support he or she needs. That being said, the best way I can describe the role of a caregiver is a provider of physical and emotional support. That can encompass a lot of different duties. For example, you may help with grocery shopping or laundry, provide transportation to and from appointments, assist with important phone calls, or even just be available as someone to talk to and provide empathy. The list goes on. You may do all of the above or may be asked to handle just one particular job. Regardless, one of the most helpful things you can do as a caregiver is to plan ahead to avoid surprises. 
As you may already know, ALS is a progressive disease, meaning the symptoms get worse over time. It also affects everyone differently, meaning the order and speed in which the various areas of the body are affected are different for most people. Because of this, it's important that you plan ahead so you're not caught by surprise when symptoms progress or new symptoms emerge. It's important to hope for the best while preparing for the worst. This may help you be more prepared as a caregiver for your loved one. If you listen to episode two of this podcast series, you'll remember that being proactive instead of reactive is key to navigating the ALS journey. Understanding ALS and how it affects your loved one may help you support his or her specific symptoms and needs. Listening to this podcast is a great first step, but be sure to take advantage of all the available resources, which we'll talk about later. In addition to research and planning ahead, another way to stay informed is through communication with your loved one's healthcare providers. Since many people with ALS may benefit from having a multidisciplinary team of healthcare providers, for example, a neurologist, dietitian, respiratory therapist, or social worker, to name a few, it's important to keep track of all your different conversations. That means asking lots of questions and taking lots of notes at appointments and over the phone. The relationship between people with ALS and their health care providers is extremely important, and your ability to work with each member of the team will be very important, too. As a caregiver, you may have a big part in attending medical appointments, talking to medical experts, dealing with insurance, and many other related tasks. The more thorough you are when it comes to asking questions and keeping track of the answers, the better prepared you and your loved one may be today and tomorrow. Here are some ways you can help prepare yourself and your loved one or friend for a medical appointment in order to get the most out of it. Bring a list of key topics. Although you may already have thought of this, I mention bringing a list because it really does help. It is valuable to go through the step of organizing questions or concerns before visiting the healthcare provider to help remind you to address each one. Put them in order of importance in case there's not enough time to cover them all. Don't be shy. Sure, subjects like bowel movements and incontinence can be uncomfortable to discuss, but the information could be useful in future planning. List healthcare providers. It can be helpful to let the healthcare provider you're currently seeing know who else is on your loved one's team. By visiting alspathways.ca and navigating to the page titled Living with ALS, you can download and print the Every ALS Journey is Different brochure, which contains a take notes section that you can use to help keep track of all of your healthcare providers, including their names, contact information, and any relevant notes. Also, make sure to bring insurance information to these appointments as well. Take notes. As I've already said, try to be thorough and ask any questions you have. One more thing. Before any appointment with a new medical specialist, research parking and accessible entrances. Also, be sure to complete the necessary paperwork so that medical records can be shared with you. You can even request a copy for your home file. Okay, we've established that knowledge can be power when it comes to managing ALS. The more you know, the better prepared you may be for whatever comes next. With that in mind, let's talk about how you can provide physical support. 
ALS is a progressive disease, meaning that its symptoms become more severe over time. Those symptoms include the weakening of muscles throughout the body, so that the amount of physical support you'll need to provide is likely to increase over time. Let's talk about how you can help with day-to-day activities. These activities might include, but are not limited to, mobility. For example, helping your loved one get in and out of bed or helping them with medical necessities, like physical therapy and use of feeding tubes. Transportation, getting to doctor's appointments and other commitments. Errands and chores. These could include grocery shopping, cooking, cleaning, and laundry. Hygiene and grooming. Helping with getting dressed, bathing, brushing teeth, putting on deodorant, etc. Communication. In addition to facilitating dialogue with medical experts, you may also be vital in helping your loved one communicate with friends, family, and other people. Nutrition. You may be responsible for the physical aspects of cooking, cutting food, and preparing foods and liquids so they're easier to chew and swallow. You may also be called upon by a dietitian or nutritionist to follow a recommended diet to ensure that your loved one's nutritional needs are met. Breathing. During the ALS journey, you'll be keeping an eye out for signs that your loved one isn't breathing properly. Talk to your loved one's health care team about what to watch for and what you can do to help ensure they're getting the oxygen they need. As ALS progresses, your loved one may be faced with additional physical limitations that require your assistance. Preparation and communication are essential to being ready to manage them at the first sign of a problem. Now that we've covered the physical support, let's talk about the emotional support that caregivers often provide their loved ones with ALS. There's a whole range of emotions that people with ALS may experience. This can include stages of grief, along with many more. Part of your job as their caregiver is to help them process these emotions in a healthy way. Let's talk about the three most common emotions in people with ALS. Denial. Denial is considered the first stage of grief. For a person with ALS, denial can become a problem if it prevents your loved one from taking care of important matters like using a wheelchair or ventilator or making a will. Getting past denial means helping your loved one see how important it is to be prepared for any possibility, all while holding on to hope. Anger. While it's understandable for someone to be angry after an ALS diagnosis, too much anger can lead to high levels of stress, along with a tendency to lash out or indulge in other unhealthy behaviors. One thing you can do for a loved one who's coping with feelings of anger is to be patient and understanding. Remember that they're the same person they've always been and that they're mad at the disease, not at you or anyone else. Anxiety. Anxiety and fear may begin to set in after denial and anger have passed and your loved one has accepted their ALS diagnosis. Keep an eye out for physical signs of anxiety, which can include sweating, restlessness, irritability, obsessive worry, loss of sleep, and sometimes panic attacks. It's important to report signs of anxiety to your loved one's healthcare providers. You can learn to cope with these types of feelings through counseling and other strategies. You can learn to cope with these types of feelings through counseling and other strategies. 
Remember that caregivers face many of the emotions we just discussed, so I encourage you to try to be aware of your feelings and take the advice we just covered to heart. Well, we've covered a lot of caregiver-related duties so far. I know it can seem like everything is changing, and in some ways it's possible that the nature of your relationship with your loved one will change after their ALS diagnosis. In addition to being their husband, wife, or partner— their child, or their friend. You're now their caregiver. And that adds a new dynamic to the relationship, especially as they continue to lose physical function and depend more on you for physical as well as emotional support. But with all that said, I've got some good news for you. Your new relationship doesn't mean your old one is gone. It's now a matter of making the effort to maintain a sense of normalcy. As you continue your caregiver journey, I want you to remember that there is more than one kind of care you should be thinking about. So far, we've talked about caring for your loved one. Let's take some time now to discuss caring for your relationship. Caring for your relationship is just as important to you and your loved one's quality of life as the other two kinds of care. Make some effort to make sure that the two of you are living fully, within the limitations imposed by ALS. That means continuing previously shared activities, such as going to movies, playing games, going to the park, and, if you're a couple, sharing your time together. It's also important to communicate openly to avoid resentment, guilt, and other negative emotions that can build up. The same goes for your loved one's relationship with family and friends. Spending time with the people they love is important. The way you spend time with them may change, and that's okay. Try thinking of new ways to enjoy each other's company as needs change. As physical function declines, people with ALS may feel isolated, but this may be offset by a healthy social life. Often, the people with ALS who say they are the happiest are those who are still involved in activities with family, friends, and co-workers. Those activities can be anything from family outings to catching up on what's new with people they don't see every day. ALS may change many things, but that doesn't have to change the roles of your loved one. For example, he or she will always be a husband, mother, brother, or sister, or friend. With your help, your loved one can still plan a birthday party for their daughter, help pick out the best car for their son, continue family traditions, and pursue other goals. Some families have even said that the experience of living with a loved one who has ALS has actually brought them closer together. Now that we've discussed some of the aspects of caregiving, now that we've discussed some of the aspects of caregiving as well as caring for your relationship, Let's take some time to shift gears and talk about taking care of yourself in your role as a caregiver. A common word in caregiver circles is burnout. The idea that being a full-time caregiver can be physically or emotionally exhausting. There are a number of ways to prevent it or at least make it easier to cope with. Burnout can happen when caregivers try to be perfectionists or when they don't communicate important feelings. Burnout can also be caused by work overload. And that's why, right now, I want you to start thinking about respite care. 
You know how during the airplane safety spiel, the flight attendants always tell you to put your own oxygen mask on before you help the people around you? That's because you can't take care of anyone else if your own essential needs aren't met. This is just as true for caregivers as it is for passengers on a plane. Yes, being a caregiver is a labor of love and can frequently be personally rewarding. But at the same time, it has the potential to take a physical and psychological toll on you. So it's important that you make it a point to take care of yourself as well as your loved one. That's where respite care comes in. Respite care means professional caregiving services designed to give you a break from the demands of your caregiver role with the aim of helping you recharge. Respite care can last just a few hours or a whole day, weekend, or even a week. It can involve having a family member stay in the house to help or bringing in a professional for in-home services. Many in-home caregivers have experience and training dealing with ALS. Their goal is to help keep people with ALS as comfortable as possible. There are resources available to help you find qualified respite caregivers in your area. Contact your local ALS society or visit als.ca for more information. Respite care is a great way to give yourself some me time and to make sure the time you do spend with your loved one is as enjoyable as possible. And remember, there's nothing to feel guilty about when it comes to respite care. There's a good chance that being well-rested and relaxed will enhance the quality of the journey both you and your loved one share. While rest and relaxation are important for caregivers, your emotional health is equally key. There are several emotions caregivers may experience during their journey. Some of them may be positive, because taking care of a loved one can feel rewarding. But it's also common for caregivers to experience negative emotions. When this happens, the absolute last thing you should do is blame yourself over it. You're a human being and it's natural that you won't always be in the best possible mood. Dealing with these feelings in a healthy way can help you prevent or reduce burnout. Frustration. This is a very common feeling. It's important to remember to take time for yourself. Walk away when you have to, take breaks, and find a chance to refresh. You can also join a support group and learn first-hand tricks other caregivers have used to cope. At the end of the day, forgive yourself for being frustrated. It's only natural. Sadness. If you're feeling gloomy or depressed, there are a few coping methods that may help. It sounds strange, but don't forget to move your body and talk to your healthcare provider about exercise. Moving your body is proven to relieve some of the symptoms of depression. Also, you may find it beneficial to seek professional help. Talk to your health care provider if you're feeling sad. Join a caregiver support group. Find a counselor who has experience with caregiving and ask for help from family and friends. Anticipatory grief. As a caregiver, you may grieve the loss of the person you once knew before they're actually gone. Keep in mind that grieving is normal and may promote healing as you go through the caregiver journey. Planning activities that you both enjoy may lift your spirits and help you make happy memories. Impatience. When you feel impatient, simply slow down. Leave extra time to accomplish tasks. Try to make a list of the things you can and can't control and focus on those you can. 
loneliness. No one can do the job of a caregiver alone. You're not weak to desire a circle of support. We've talked about respite care earlier. Take advantage and spend time with neighbors, friends, relatives, or your religious organization or community if you're part of one. While we are discussing caring for yourself as a caregiver, it's important to know about the Caregiver's Bill of Rights. You may already know about the Patient's Bill of Rights, and the Caregiver's Bill of Rights was created in the same spirit. It's there to help you remember that you are your own person, even as you work hard to support your loved one. The goal is to help you remember things like, I have the right to protect my individuality, and I have the right to get angry, be depressed, and express other difficult feelings occasionally. There's also the Caregiver's Pledge, which asks you to make ten promises to yourself and your loved one, and these are words to live by. It includes things that you might expect, like, I will learn as much as I can about my loved one's illness so I can better care for him or her with understanding, and I will learn techniques that will make caregiving easier for both of us. However, it doesn't stop there. For example, I will understand that I can't care for anyone else if I don't also care for myself, and I will find opportunities to laugh daily, and I will say yes when people offer to help. I hope this helps you see that self-care and relationship care are important parts of the caregiver journey. It's only natural for some caregivers like you to feel guilty about making their own needs a priority when their loved one is going through an illness as serious as ALS. But caregiver networks and support groups all emphasize the need for you to avoid feeling burnt out, helpless, or alone. This is the perfect segue for me to bring up caregiver resources. There are a lot of groups, websites, and literature out there that are all designed to help make your life easier as you go through your caregiver journey. Once again, I want to remind you that this podcast is just the tip of the iceberg. There's a lot more information out there that can help you navigate your ALS caregiver journey, so don't stop now. I'm going to give you some examples but there are many other organizations and resources that you can find online or by talking to your loved one's healthcare providers. ALS societies across Canada are charitable organizations that respond to the unique needs of people living with ALS. There is an ALS society in each province of Canada, and the services offered, such as equipment loan programs, support groups, and services, will vary based on differences between the provincial healthcare systems. The ALS Society's website at als.ca is a good resource to visit as a starting point where you can learn more about ALS as well as contact information for the ALS Society in your province. For Ontario residents, the organization Healthcare at Home can help you find professional respite care that is available in your area. Visit healthcareathome.ca for more information. For non-Ontario residents, contact your provincial ALS society or visit als.ca to help you find similar services available for you. And that wraps it up for our discussion of the caregiver journey. Thank you, not only for listening, but also for taking on the role of caregiver for your loved one. You're an inspiration. Please remember that you're not alone, and there are many resources to help you along the way. 
As always, if you're looking for more information about ALS, you can always visit our website at alspathways.ca, where you can find a wide variety of educational resources about ALS and tips for both caregivers and people with ALS, designed to help reduce the learning curve and help enhance the quality of life. While you're on alspathways.ca, or on iTunes or Google Play if you've just downloaded this podcast through one of those services, please take a minute to let us know if you've enjoyed listening today. Please rate the podcast. Tell us what you liked, what you didn't like, and what we can do better. Ultimately, this will help provide richer content in the future. Also, by visiting alspathways.ca, you can suggest additional topics of interest you'd like us to cover. We read all suggestions and take everything into consideration. Once again, this has been the ALSPathways.ca podcast series. Thanks again. Check back for new episodes soon.